So uh, we are going to, I promise you today will be a life, life changing uh, text for you. Um, uh, I, I really challenge you to open your heart and embrace um, what God's trying to communicate to you through these uh, commandments. Um, I don't call them the 10 commandments because uh, they're kind of summarized. Uh, you know, we've sort of slanged them the 10 commandments. I, I love the Mel Brooks version where he's got 20 commandments. <laughs> And he goes, I'd like to present to you. He's playing Moses. And then he drops one of them on the ground and he goes, the, the 10 commandments. <laughs> but, but literally you can make these the 20 commandments and just break the paragraphs down even more. So you can make these the 50 commandments, but they're, they're really summarized there in Exodus 20, um, three through whatever, 17, 18 there. It's got a whole section there that just describes God's giving them some boundaries and you're going to see that God is much more life-giving. It's not like the Old Testament God is all ticked off and then all of a sudden Christ comes in the New Testament and he's like a totally different character. You're, you're, going, to, you're going to see that, that the redemption of Christ definitely brings a different dynamic to people because there's grace and salvation in a way that they hoped for in the future. But we look in the past and embrace for our present tense and our future. But it's real. It's the same God. Amen? Father, I, I pray, Lord, that you would open up your scriptures, your text uh, to us, uh, that it would be more than just words on a page. Lord, it would be more than just concepts to remember. Lord, that these would be um, incarnated into our soul, into our daily living, into our sandals, so to speak, that we'd walk these things out. Lord, bring your truth to the light. Bring, Lord, whatever darkness is in us, Lord, I pray that you would crowd it out with your light, with your goodness. And we don't claim to be without sin because then the truth is not in us. But Lord, we confess our sins. You are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We're thankful for that. And I thank you that redemption comes to the cross, that you have paid for our sins, past, present, and future. We're forgiven. It's awesome to be a forgiven people. Lord, because then we can grow in you without the fear of reprisal or fear of punishment. And perfect love casts out all fear. And we don't want the fear of the world. We want the fear that looks up and says, my fear and trust is in God alone. He's the one that's on my side so I can have my fear in him because he's for me. And I pray, Lord, that you'd make these scriptures come to life. Let them have new life for us. In Jesus' name, if you agree, can you say amen? Amen. Amen. Well, it's an exciting topic, um, uh, the Ten Commandments. Um, I mentioned last week, and I'm just going to review a little bit for some you may have missed last week. I don't want you to miss the heartbeat of it. Why aren't we a Ten Commandment church? In other words, I mentioned last night, instead of the cross, instead of Christ, let's just put the Ten Commandments, these virtuous statements that God explained to the Israelites, that we know are good, they're righteous, they're good. But why not put those on the front page and just say, we're a Ten Commandment church. This is what we do. Well, first of all, you guys couldn't all be here, <laughs> right? How many have violated the Ten Commandments in the last 10 years? <clears throat> Who do you know that's broken them even bigger? Just point at them right now. <laughs> yeah. Some of you are pointing to yourself. You have good awareness. You know, Paul, Paul called himself the chiefs of sinners. There's the, the, one of the largest writers of the New Testament calling himself the chief of sinners and recognizing his need for Christ. And he, he, when the Jews start proclaiming their own righteousness, their own self-righteousness, Paul says, you know, if anyone could brag, it would be me. 
and he starts to give, you know, all his qualifications and his legacy, you know, a, a Benjaminite and, you know, a, 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 from the, from the tribe of, and he starts to name all these attributes. I won't go into them all. Well, we're not a 10 commandment church in that sense. We're not the 10 commandment church to say, these are the things that we think. So if you want to be following our sort our letter or creed or set of rules, then you can be a part of our organization. It's kind of like, you know, I want to join a football team and okay, well, you got to be on the phone tree. You got to make sure you come to practice. And we give these people a set of creeds and they go, okay. And you know, we're a team first team. And okay. And you go, okay, I want to be a part of this organization. Or you start a new organization, you kind of establish your values. People can't come here because they've done the Ten Commandments. Amen? That can't be our criteria. Because the one guy who thinks he's done the Ten Commandments is the rich young ruler who comes to him and says, I've done it all. And Jesus has a love for him. And he says, if you give up everything... Then follow me because he didn't understand that the commandments are summed up in loving God and loving people. And yet he had hoarded things, but he had sort of accumulated wealth. And the Bible warns uh, over and over again that godliness is not a substitution or a means for financial gain. It's for kingdom advancement. Amen. It doesn't mean that God can't pour out resources to you and blessings. He wants to. It says wealth and riches are in the man in the righteous man's house. It doesn't mean that it always comes in material means. How many know that God's blessed you with personal and emotional and spiritual things? How do I hear an amen? <clears throat> but it's nice to have some cash every once in a while, right? Right? There's nothing wrong with that. You know, David says, Lord, don't give me so much that I forgive, forget you. And don't give me so little that I start feeling like I got to steal all the time. In other words, Lord, I know the commandments. You know, and so we can't. And, and another question to ask yourself is why are these commandments, you know, uh, even right or wrong? If you come from an atheistic background like I did, you know, you know, why is anything wrong at all? People go killing's wrong. And my question is why? Because you die. And I'm like, have you been to the Africa? Animals die all the time. If we're just homo sapiens. You know what I mean? Another animal on the planet. And who cares if you die? Just someone else will live and survive. Right? That one person does, but we don't go to the deer and say, oh, how come you're eating up? We just go, okay. It keeps the, the lion doesn't stop and go, should we have killed this deer? Was it wrong? Because the lion's not made in the image of God, is it? You know? And so there's a difference. We seem to have the set of right and wrong that seems to be above us. And God isn't just giving these no's because he's a whiner. I don't want you doing this stuff. Come on. Kind of like that. Like, stop doing this. I want you guys to be righteous or I'll get really bad. This is God bringing protection to his people. He's saying, these are the things, the principles that will bring you life. But he also knows that we have a sinful nature. How many say amen to that? So first of all, I want to I point you that these what happens with these commandments, thou shalt not covet and thou shalt not, you know, steal and thou shalt not murder. Those things are there because when we see them, doesn't our own sinful nature rise up to want to do them? How many could admit to this? This is exactly Paul's point. Paul's point is that 
because I have a sinful nature, when I heard the commandments, instead, my flesh got aroused. So don't covet. It just made me want to covet all the more. Which revealed means the commandments, instead of bringing you life, actually revealed to your sin to you so that you could see your need for Christ. How many can admit that the commandments are not your day? You don't follow all of them perfectly. Come on. Can you? How many follow them perfectly? I, I'm serious. I want to, there's probably someone out there wanting to raise their hand. They go, I do. Totally. And I just want to send a film crew to follow you everywhere. Like, are you loving God with all your heart now? I bet I can tick you off. You know, I mean, don't you think you could provoke someone to not following stuff? You know, it's like, I have a pretty devious mind there. Listen, because the, the life isn't found in the law and it's not found just in the written code. It's found in the cross and Jesus Christ himself. Put on Jesus perspective there. I mentioned this last week, so it's just review. You study the scriptures diligently. This is to all the ones following the law, trying to follow follow the Bible, the word, because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. He's talking to these religious leaders. You think that if you read it in a certain way and you got your memorization, that's what's going to fix you, your soul with these words. But he's saying that it's the Christ who brings you deliverance because that's the only way for your soul to be redeemed. Amen? And then he says, don't think I'll accuse you before the Father. In other words, he's saying, I don't need to come here and say, they're sinners. I'm telling you, Father. He's saying that the law itself, its commandments that Moses brought, those are the things that accuse you. And the minute you say as a congregation, and that's what they would say to the Israelites, they'd say, have you heard the commands? And Israel would say, yes. And they said, and will you follow them? And they said, yes. And what did they just do? Condemn themselves. And that's what the scripture says. Your very words will condemn you on the last day. How many don't want that? Instead, you want the life of Christ in you. Amen. Listen to what Paul says in Paul's perspective. He says, at one time, I lived without understanding the law. But when I learned, can everyone say learned? When I learned the commandment, so that seems like a good thing. You're learning the commandments. What are the commandments? Let me teach my kids. But when I learned the commandment, do not covet, the power of sin sprang to life. And I died. And I gave the example of last week of saying, Don't anyone look at that black guitar. In fact, I'll just make it easier. Don't look at this pulpit. Okay? Keep your eyes focused on me, but this is wrong. Okay? Don't even think about it. Don't meditate on it. Don't even glance by it. Keep your eyes focused right here. This is a beautiful face. Right? How many really want to check this out? Right? Because it's the one thing you can't do. And it's not because the commandment to not look at it or don't covet and don't murder and don't steal. It's not that the commandment is sin. What he's saying is because we have a sinful nature, it deceives us and takes the commandment. And instead of following it, it turns it on its heads and it becomes an arousal. Okay, raise your hand if you understand. 
That is why we can't be a Ten Commandment church. These are the Ten Commandments and we all follow them. Come join our church and do what? Follow the Ten Commandments. What is everyone going to do who comes to that church? At first, they're going to think for the first week, I think I'm following them. I think I'm following them. Then after a while, they're going to start sinning. And so they want to stay at the church, but they're still struggling with sin. So what are they going to have to do with their sin? They're going to have to lie. They're going to have to hide it. And that's when you go to church and you go, hey, how's it going? How you doing? Great. Any struggles? No. Doing awesome. Our church ought to be the one where you walk in and you go, how's it going? Sin this week, Wednesday, definitely. <laughs> Pray for me. I, I need, I need, how many need freedom right now? And just go, man, I just, there's, I think I'm struggling, man. Just like Paul said, I, I'm struggling with this, but I, I don't want anything in the darkness. I just want to get it out in the light. Lord, I need the Lord's healing in this. And you don't have to be put to shame because that cross already covers what you've done. Amen. Amen. So we preach Christ. Now Christ then lives in us. Paul says, we're no longer under the spirit of the law, which brought death, but we're under the spirit of life, which brings grace and goodness and life and godliness and power. Otherwise Christ died for nothing. It'd be like Christ would have come and said, hey, I'm here. Yeah, really? Yeah, you're the incarnate word? Yes. I just wanted to tell you guys, yeah, you're the the Christ. Yeah, let me do a bunch of miracles. So he'll part water and do all kinds of stuff. And he goes, so what's your message on the Sermon on the Mount? Um, Do the Ten Commandments. And now I'm taking off. Whoever does them, I'll see you in heaven. I'll prepare a room for you. Wouldn't that have been awful? How would the atheists have ever come? Right? How would the losers? I know some of you righteous ones, but what about us losers? How would we have made it? Right? Aren't you glad? He says, that's why the son of man must be lifted up. He must be lifted up, strung up on the cross. That's why he must overcome the power of sin and death. And that's why he'll reside in us and bring us freedom. And so I put there the nice picture of a cave in Israel. It's not just the stone tablets that you see. It's the tender commandments. Amen. Amen. And just one last bit of a review here. I showed that this God who makes these commandments is a creative, amazing God. He's the God of creation who made us. Do I hear an amen? Amen. It's look at him with the crayon. He draws us. He has made these unique creatures. These commandments are this list from some ogre. Now, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. You see at the very beginning of Exodus, before he goes into these laws, into these commandments, he says, I want to deliver you. I am the Lord, your God, who brings you freedom. I've heard your pain and your misery and your burdens. I'm going to set you free. I'm going to forgive your sins and rebellions. How, How many like that? This is the same God he made us. He's the God of oceans. You know, he's the God of music. Amen. And I mentioned last week, he's the God of secrets. He's the God who has color. He can make blues and greens and grays and browns. And it's an ocean full of unique creatures. All you have to draw is unique, colorful sea creatures. And you'll see amazing designs. Looks like tat art. You know what I mean? Looks awesome. And you know what? It didn't evolve that way. 
it, it was designed in its in the initial genetic strand. Um, and then the God of animals. Don't you love it? Don't you love it? You got to love the animal. Amen. I, I was, I was sharing. I, I didn't, I don't share this too often, but you know, I, I got to go leave that lion on there for a second. I had a fear of lions years ago. Not, not a fear of actually seeing, I'd go to the zoo and see a lion. It wasn't like I had this, there's a lion I'm afraid kind of a fear. But I, for some reason, I'd have these dreams about lions and they'd be chasing me down in my dream. And I'd wake up and I'd have this, I'd wake up and I'd go, man, what, where did that come from? It was like a lion chasing me. And then later that dream, when I got kids, that dream became, uh, you know, this lion, lions in the house chasing my kids. And then I'd be running as fast as I can, doing everything I could to protect my kids. And then boom, I could see them rushing into my house. And then bam, I'd wake up and I'd look around and I'd go, where are my kids? Where are the lions? And I had this dream for years, off and on, just every couple weeks or every month or so, this dream would come in and I'd go, man, what's this dream? Is it like some deep-seated fear? And the Lord told me one, one morning as I was just having my quiet time, I was walking outside just in the street. And he said, you know what? He goes, you know that, that fear? Because I started asking, Lord, is it a fear? Is it a personified fear? What is it? And that morning he said, he goes, hey, I'm going to deliver you from that fear that you've been asking me about. And I said, well, how? And I just said, he said, just trust me. And I, it was literally like three, four hours later, I was driving in my car and I got a call from a pastor friend of mine. And he goes, Hey, Eric, how you doing? I got doing good. He goes, Hey, you want to go to Africa with me? <laughs> and before I could say no, he goes, I've already paid for you. I got your tickets already. You don't have to come up with anything. It's all paid for. Well, whoop-de-doo, right? <laughs> whoop-de-doo. And sure enough, we get to Africa and we're doing ministry there and it's God's doing stuff. We're doing things in AIDS camps and all, all kinds of amazing things. And then he says to one of the guys says to us, he says, hey, guess what? We had a sponsor came forward and wants to pay for your whole pastoral group to go to one of the best safaris in Africa. Yeah, I bet. I bet they paid for it. I bet this generosity just came out of nowhere. You know, the whole time I'm thinking, I can hear the Lord just talking to me. Yep, that's me. And sure enough, you know, as, as I got, I've got this in, in my soul, we go, they dr we literally fly for like two hours over nothing. And then they drop us down, you know, like t 12 of us. And, and, you know, on, on this little plane, where we're all packed in like sardines. And we land on this little airport, which is not an airport. And I see these cars. They got all these vehicles where you can stick your head out the top of the vehicle and then close it up. And I go, okay, that'll work. And then they go, and that's our vehicles. And it's this open Jeep. They go, you're going to ride in this open Jeep. And I go, well, where's the fence where the edibles are? I'm from Los Angeles, right? I'm an L.A. boy. And, and so, so we get in there, and, and the guy, guy goes, well, we, I go, so is there like a lot of lions and stuff here? Are you lying about this? 
And he goes, no, we haven't, we haven't really seen any big pride of lions. They, sometimes they get scattered. We can't find them. We haven't seen them in months. And he goes, they're around. And he goes, but we've seen a few scattered here and there, but not a big pride. Well, that was in the evening. Then in the morning, the guide comes running into our group. And he goes, everyone get in the car quickly. In the Jeeps, why? And he goes, we found lions. We got a big pride about 30 minutes away. They do. So we get in the Jeep and we start cruising out there. I mean, we're driving out there like that. And, you know, we get there really close. And one, one, we have two Jeeps and one goes around one, one side of these, this pride right here. It goes around this way and it gets stuck. Literally gets stuck. They can't move. And the big male lion starts looking over at them and starts roaring. So we are going, they're, they're going, I could see they're just scared as anything. So we go behind them to try to push them out. So here's the lions, here's the Jeep. And we start pushing them this way, knocking them to get them out. Well, the way that their car was stuck, no matter how much we pushed this way, it wouldn't help. We had to push the other way. And of course in the Jeep, I am on the left side. (laughs) Open. Nothing is there. (laughs) So we go this way to knock this Jeep this way. And there's the male lion right there. That's him right there. <laughs> so I literally, and the, and the guide is going, you got to be quiet. Everyone be quiet. And he's sweating. He goes, don't, don't say anything. We're safe as long as we're in the Jeep. Don't look over there. And then he goes, none of you guys have food. I'm overweight. I always got food. <laughs> I got a peanut butter protein bar in my pocket. And now I'm picturing the lion eating my guts out. And I go, that's how I'm going to die. I'm going to be holding this lion head. That's going to beat me up while he's trying to get to my protein bar in the pocket. And I said, I've got to take a picture. So I literally leaned over and I went like that. And I took a picture. And here, click, click. I'm going, I'm going to agitate the lion. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I've never been that scared in my life. Because the guy said, the lions think you're part of the vehicle. So they think you're connected to it. But they had these littler lions who were walking along the Jeeps and they, the one was rubbing himself on the Jeep. And I go, do the little lions know about the rule <laughs> that you're not allowed to eat the people in the Jeep? <laughs> and I'm, I'm telling you, what, what I learned by there is you don't get out of the Jeep. When you get out of the Jeep, you know what happens? You become food immediately. Don't get out of Christ. Don't get out of the life of the church. It is the life in Christ. Amen? There is safety there. Our security is not in the rules. Our security is not in just the commandments, which are great and awesome. Our security is in Christ the one who is the Christ of the cross. Amen? Listen to these tender commandments. I am your God, the Lord your God. This is, 
This is his promise. It's summarized. I love you. I've delivered you from Egypt. I freed you. This is a commandment, not that we put on a sign and tell the world. This is a command to people who have experienced the goodness of God. Amen? That's what the commandment's for. He says, don't turn to idols. You know why? Because they don't what? They don't work. And then here's the third one, a really important one. Don't misuse my name. Don't take the name of the Lord in vain. The name of the Lord has so much life and power. It is the one true name by which we must be saved. It is the glorious name of the almighty God who is wonderful, who is everlasting, who is eternal, who is omniscient. You know, he's the intimate God. He represents all things that are life and good and godliness. That name is... Don't waste that name for anything stupid. Amen? It's a waste of time. Let's look at Jesus. He's already, I've already read this, but what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and with all your soul and with all, I'm sorry, with all your heart and with all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do I hear an Amen. These commandments are rooted in love. The commandment, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be, are summed up in this one commandment. If you want to know why you shouldn't steal, it's because of the love for your neighbor. That's why you don't need to covet his goods, his wife, his business, whatever else they have. You don't need to covet it. Because, first of all, your love for God makes you secure in what God is going to provide for you. And two, you love your neighbor as yourself. Amen? That's why you don't do it. That's why they're, that's why they're here. So let's go to the first one from last week. I'm just going to repeat it. I am the Lord your God. God spoke these words. Who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. This is a commandment that says... I brought you out. I set you free. I'm the one who did it. Understand, I'm the one who brings life. I'm the one who brings goodness. Turn to me. How many say amen? How many love this commandment? And you're wondering, does God just want me to love him? Trust me. He's already loving you. Amen? Amen. Then the second one, you shall have no other gods before me. In other words, Nothing can be in the place of God. It's, he must be in God in every area of my life. I'm not talking about a control like I need to be under some religious rules. I'm saying allow God into your thought life. Allow God into the way that you do relationships. Allow God to be in your discouragement so that he can help build you up. Let God be in your battles so that he can battle before you. And then he says, you shall not make for yourself. In other words, fashion an idol where something really doesn't have an idolatry to you, but all of a sudden you turn it into, maybe it's sports. I love sports and I love watching football and all different kinds of sports, but it cannot be an idol where I look at the Lombardi trophy and I go, that's the epitome of all success. No, it's not. It's a, it's a trinket to show you that you want beat everybody. Right? Like the close Super Bowl we just had. (laughs) Denver, don't wear your shirts for the next year. 
You shall not make for yourself an idol. Amen. In the form of anything in heaven above or the earth below. Don't anything that you see in the waters and the earth and the heavens. Don't fashion some idol you worship. He's not saying that we can't draw an art picture or put a graphic of something of the earth. He's saying it don't put a picture up here that you're going to worship that it's your deliverer. That it's your hope. You know, I love our country, but USA can't be our God. Amen. It's, but we can be loyal to our country. We can admire our nation. We can be supporters of our nation. We can go to war for our nation. But it can't, it has to be because unto the Lord. Amen? So he says in Psalm 96, 4, he says, All the gods of the nations are idols, but it is the Lord who made the heavens. Every area. David cries out, Lord, where can I flee from your spirit? Wherever I go, to the depths, to the heights, you are there. God is God in every way. God is available to you in every way. Amen? You shall not bow down, verse 5. Um, says, you shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a... Can everyone say, jealous God? Jealous. Now, this is the word kwana. It is a word that is used six times in the Old Testament. It's only used about God. It's not the same jealousy word of humanity where jealousy is, you know, Bob has this, but I really want that. And you're jealous. You know what I mean? Or I like this girl, but I think she likes him. You're jealous. Or I wish I had that. A jealousy or an envy. That's a human jealousy. This quana is strictly used about God's a passion for the unique relationship that belongs just to him. He's jealous for it for you. He's jealous it for himself. It's not that God just goes, I want you to know me. He wants you and him to know each other. God built you for relationship. Do you understand that knowing you and talking to you is a joy and a blessing to God? How many say amen? He loved talking with Moses. The Bible says that, that he gave his name to Moses, Yahweh. Right? He gave him his name and he said, I didn't give it to Abraham. I didn't give it to Isaac. I didn't give it to Jacob. But Moses, I'm going to give you my name. And that name, Yahweh, becomes Jesus. Lord, Father, thank you that your name, that you gave me your name. Yahweh, Jesus, is salvation. Isn't this an awesome name that's full of power? And he says, he says if, if you don't, if you bow down and worship, then this is what's going to happen. The, the iniquities that will be visited upon the children. It'll go down third and fourth generation. Like God saying, I could just let this sin go and let your freedom just run its course through eternity. But I'm going to let it go to the third, the fourth generation. And then no matter if you keep hating me, if you keep not wanting to stop it, the fourth generation, I'll wipe that one clean and start over. And this is God visiting the iniquities there. It's to count, to number. You might hear, see the word punishment in NIV. Punishment is just seeing the consequences and its appointment. If we start to turn to evil and we just pursue it with a hatred toward God, we will see consequences, right? It's like saying oxygen is the one thing you need to live. You go, I'm not going to breathe oxygen. What are you going to breathe? Not dog do, you know? But it, does it ruin your lungs? I don't know. 
Well, after a while, you're going, why are you coughing all the time? Why is your face brown? You know, it's because of the fact that you've been living not unto God. Amen. I don't know if that was chorus, but if it was chorus, I apologize. He is the Lord, our God, his judgments on all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever. The promises he made for a thousand generations. Listen how he finishes in verse five. So he visits the third and fourth generation. If you hear that, you're going, oh man, that means my sin is going to go down the third, fourth generation. How many don't want your sin to go all the way down? Listen, this is why he answers this, but showing love. This is love. This is a love that has mercy. It comes from the, the, it's basically the attributes of God to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Listen, do you know how we enter into that promise? By embracing Christ because he loved the father and kept all his commandments. When we become in Christ, those promises enter into our souls and go to a thousand generations. How many say amen? This is why he says there's no condemnation for those in Christ in Romans 8. And he says, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Who are those, comma, for those who are called according to his purpose, right? And those whom God foreknew, he also predestined. And those he predestined, he called. And those that he called, he justified. And those who he justified, he glorified. And who will bring a a charge against those whom God has chosen? Neither height nor depth nor angel, anything will separate us from the love of God in Christ. How many say amen? Amen. These are the promises of God right in there. And then number three, and I'll, I'll finish with this one. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. I can't think of the last movie, whether it was PG, it didn't really matter what the rating was, that didn't all of a sudden throw the name of Jesus Christ. How many times do we hear the name of Jesus Christ? How many t- I think sometimes the, the atheist uses the word Jesus Christ more than the Christian. Don't you think? It's like, why don't they use the word like Bob McGillicuddy. I mean, Jesus doesn't mean anything. Why Jesus Christ? You you know? You know, why pick on Mary with the son of a, you know? You know, because she wasn't married to Joseph. You know? Why, Why is that one such a common phrase? Or gee darn it. As if God is the one who's the dammer. Isn't God the grace and the life giver? But why to the atheist or to the non-Christian is that even important? Because it's not a curse that is mental. It's from spiritual. And that's why when you get mad, you go, oh, they use also Jesus Christ. And then they'll say something. And, and then this is how you misuse the name. Can everyone say Jesus Christ? Now say, he's going to take care of things. That, isn't that a better saying? That's not misusing the name. But if you say, Jesus Christ, I can't believe what's happening. Why don't you say, Jesus Christ, he knows exactly what's happening. Amen? Instead of saying, God darned it, say, man darned it. And I darned it. God fix it. Amen? And Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, will help out. Amen? Listen, nuclear power, nuclear power is an amazing force. 
those of you who are familiar with World War II know that the Enola Gay uh, plane rose up and then dropped bombs on uh, Nagasaki and Hiroshima. And, and it was uh, basically a ploy, and I'm not going to get into the virtue or non-virtue of it, but it was, a, it was a ploy to end, they thought even though a lot of people would be destroyed, it would hinder a lot of other bloodshed. Because it would limit with how far the battle would go and it would cause the Japanese at that time to surrender. And we, you know, we're allies with the Japanese now, but at the time they were allied with uh, Hitler, Germany and Italy and other things. So you have on one side a destructive force. If you've ever seen the pictures of the aftermath of Hiroshima, you have that one guy who's got no face left. But he's just got these little fake eyes and he's, he's totally destroyed. He just died recently. And, the, and, then, and then you have uh, the, the, not only did the destruction come, but those who escaped the initial destruction were cancerous all over because it changed the function of the cell. It brought deterioration. It's a misuse of the power in, in the sense of destructive power is harmful. You could say it was necessary at that point, And it was the natural consequences of evading us with a, through Pearl Harbor. But you can say, it is force that is destructive. How many would agree with that? Listen, that force also makes a, a battleship and a ca- aircraft carrier drive for 12 to 15 years with no refueling. It can, a nuclear power can run a city, you know? And this is just human discoverings, you know, the, the, the power within, the, when the, within um, the uranium. What about God's name? Do you know how powerful it is? Do you know that this name is on your behalf? That God has extended his very life to bring you answers and power and authority, which has all been given to him on your behalf in the name of Jesus. That name is powerful. And God gives a simple request in the Ten Commandments. Don't misuse it. This is life. So we don't diminish the name of Jesus. We lift up the name of Jesus. Not in some disassociated way with people where we just start going, Jesus. I'm talking about understanding its power, its source of life. Listen, it's precious. Exodus 34, 5. Then the Lord came down. He comes to Moses and stood there with them because Moses had been talking with him. And he goes, listen, I'm going to proclaim my name to you. And he goes to Moses and proclaims his name, Yahweh. And he passes in front of Moses, proclaiming the, the Yahweh, the Yahweh. Imagine God saying, I want to tell you my name. I want you to know who I am. Isn't that awesome? And then he describes him. He says, I'm the compassionate and gracious God. I'm slow to anger. I'm abounding in love, in love and faithfulness. This is God's e-harmony profile. You know, what are you about? I love mountain climbing. I'm always happy. Yeah, I'm sure you are. God's going, trust me. I'm abounding in love. I'm gracious. Trust me, slow to anger. I'm willing to forgive wickedness and rebellion. How many like this God? Do you want to date him spiritually? This is, this is the promise. He's amazing. It says, Proverbs 34, it says, Who's gone up to heaven and come down? Whose hands have gathered up the wind? Who has wrapped up the waters in a cloak? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name? And what is the name of his son? Surely you know. 
Can everyone say Jesus? Jesus. Jeremiah says, if I will not mention his word or speak anymore in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I'm weary of holding it in. Indeed, I can't. I gotta say it. Can you say Jesus? This is a powerful name. Instead of going, God's messing things up and gee darn it. Just say, God bless it. Right? This is uh, because you understand, don't deny the curse you have in your heart. Recognize it. Just like when I said, do not covet. All of a sudden you want to covet. Instead of turning to the command to try to get you to get, do all the commands, turn to Christ so that he changes your heart. No longer live under the spirit of the law, but live under the spirit of life, who is Jesus Christ. Do I hear amen? Almost done here. To all, John 1, 12. To all who received him, to those who believed in his name. Do you believe in his name? Do you believe in the name of Jesus? To those he gave the right or authority to become children of God. You know, the dollar has a value and it goes up, but lately it's been going down. It's slowly been going down. And then the euro goes up, and the euro goes down, and the dollar goes up, and the dollar goes down, and the yen goes up, and now we have a Bitcoin that's kind of in there somewhere. It's not real currency, right? And then it's kind of like, okay, can I tell you, the name of the Lord's value never changes. It is unchanging. Whether you are believing it right now or not, he is on your side. His name is a banner held high for your namesake. He gives you identity in his name. He not only lends you as like a buddy. Hey, you want to wear my t-shirt with my name on it? He clothes you in his name. How many say amen? amen. How many say amen? amen? Come on, this is serious. Father, John 17, protect them by the power of your name. You, can everyone say your name? Your name. And, it, and Jesus says, the name you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. Protect them, Lord, by this name. Don't misuse the name. Recognize what it is. Peter says, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Here's a miracle. Here's a blessing. Here is provision. Let me give it to you in the name of Jesus. Proverbs 18 says, I'm almost done here. The name of the Lord is a fortified tower. You ever seen that movie, Troy? You know, where they got this big, you know, the, the columns of Troy are all the way across. It's that strong tower. It's a, it's a wall that cannot be penetrated. It says the righteous run to it and are safe. That's why we're righteous in Christ. We're clothed in his righteousness. Amen. It's the most valuable. And then this is the last scripture here. John is documenting Philip's and the disciples' inquiry of Jesus. Who are you? I love it. They've been walking with him for three years. And it's kind of like, even John the Baptist was going, ask him. Like, ask him what? Ask him if he's the one that's to come. And one of John's disciples, when John's in prison, John's in prison, he's about to get beheaded. And he's going, tell me what's going on. Are you really the one? It's like, you pointed to me and said, look, the Lamb of God. And he says, tell John that the lame walk, that the blind see, 
The brokenhearted are healed. Amen? And he says, I am the one. Here you got the same thing. They're asking, are you the one? And Philip goes, just show us God. Show us the Father. Show us something that we can know. And Jesus, imagine Jesus looking you in the eye and he says, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. And he says, if you don't believe me, at least believe in the evidence of the miracles themselves. And then, then that, you see that same revelation happen in a different chapter where he says, who do you think I am, Peter? And he goes, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And he tells him to put his hope in them. And then he gives this question, this the answer, John 14, 13. You know, believe in me, put your trust in me. And then he says, and I will do whatever you ask in, can everyone say my name? Can you say his name? So that the father may be glorified in the son. The father in the son, the fullness of the deity dwelling in him in bodily form. He says, you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. This isn't just a blurting out, God, give me the money from that bank. In Jesus name. It's not a magic wand. You know, when we always encourage you get into the word of God, it's not so that you can read how you're messing up. It's so that you can see your shortcomings and then turn to God in Jesus name and say, Lord, can you heal me? And by the way, you don't have to finish your prayers with Jesus name. Why don't you start them with Jesus name? In Jesus name, Lord, can you help me become holy where I can't be holy? In Jesus name, Lord, will you clear my cluttered mind and help me become a clear thinker and develop the purpose you've given me in Jesus name, Lord, can you help heal my marriage? Can you help restore my family? Can you help break me where I'm a broken hearted in Jesus name? And Jesus looks you in the eye and says, whatever you ask, I will do it. Think about this. Think about this. Hear me again and hear it in the right spirit and picture Jesus saying, I don't look anything like him. I'm probably better looking than he was. I'm not good looking, but I'm better looking than he was because it says nothing in him was attractive. Maybe I might have one attribute. He says, listen, you may ask for anything in my name and I will do it. Don't misuse the name of the Lord. The last slide. Can everyone say, I am your God. I just say it. Say, he is my God. Say, I won't turn to idols. And just say, I won't misuse his name. Just say it one more time. Say, he's my God. I'll turn to him and not to idols. I'll use his name. Because it's been given to me. It's a free gift. It's a blessing. His name is power for you. Why don't you close your eyes? How many got something from the Lord here? Come on. Lord, we praise you because you've touched us. And we recognize that. You are the pure and righteous God. Lord, thank you that um, you know us inside and out. We don't have to play games with you. Lord, I know that you've done great areas of work in my own holiness. I'm much more holy and righteous than I was before. But having said that, Lord, compared to you, I still fall way short. I thank you that I don't have to lie 
and pretend like I have no flaws. Because first of all, it would be exactly that, a lie. But I thank you that I can turn to you and that you'll help me wherever I am. Because that's what your salvation does. You give me an irresistible grace. A grace that works in my heart and soul beyond my ability to ask for it. You know what I need even before I ask it. Even if I spout off to you many words. (laughs) And when I cry out, amen. Thank you for the sound effects. Lord, when I cry out, you know the answers. And when I mumble and grumble and complain, you can change my heart and my attitude. Lord, I want to see the preciousness of your name and remember that you're the Lord, my God, who delivered me. And will you just acknowledge that to him? Just say, thank you for being my God. Just thank him. Say, you're my God. Not because you own him, but because you're accepting that part of the relationship. You're my God. You're my family's God. You're the one who's in charge. You're my God. And say, Lord, I'm not going to turn to false things. Whatever idols I've made for myself that I built up to put my hope in, I put those down. And say, Lord, nothing will be before you. And then maybe you need to confess right now. I'll just give you a chance. You don't have to look up at me, but just confess to the Lord. Maybe you've misused the name of the Lord. And this is not to condemn you. This is just to acknowledge you. Say, Lord, I've messed up. I misused your name. I, I, I could have used it with power in my family. I could have used it in power in my relationships, my job. But instead, I used it just when I was ticked. And it came out as a curse rather than who you really are. If that's you, just by yourself, eyes closed all around this room. Before God, can you just raise your hand and say, I did it. I did. I misused your name. And then this is repentance. Lord, help me. Help me, Lord, to utilize your name for the life that it is, for the truth that it is, for the power that it is. And Lord, let me see the things that you want to do so I can pray in Jesus' name, knowing what you want to do. And so, Lord, open our eyes. And we have a a class called Base Camp that we do. We start on a regular basis. We'll have our Base Camp leaders up front. Come see them and say, hey, I want to get some grounded discipleship so I can know what God wants and know what God's willing. It's a a class that builds in community an, an anchor point for you. It's rooted in the New Testament. And just acknowledge them. And if, that, if you need that disciple, just, will you just raise your hand to God right now. Say, Lord, I want that. I need that. I need discipleship. I need mentorship. Not religion. Not people lording over me. People coming alongside. And Lord, I pray blessings on the kids at snow camp right now. I pray that you'd bless them in a mighty way. Lord, I pray for Chase and their leaders that they would just have a fruitful morning as they worship you. I pray that there would just be a great life. I pray that you'd build relationships uh, for, for them, that they may, new relationships that they may not have had. Sometimes as a young person, it's hard to break um, into existing relationships and circles. I pray, Lord, that you'd help them to break through. And Lord, I pray that you would also give an answer to their calling. A lot of these young people don't know who they're supposed to be and what they're supposed to become and who you've made them to be. I pray that you'd raise that, raise that to the surface. I pray for Alfred Marilla, one of our fellow pastors in the city up in Ogden. I pray that you'd anoint him as he speaks. And Lord, I thank you for the commandments. Lord, I look forward to the Sabbath rest 
which you're going to, we're talking next week, Lord, that you want to bless us while we're doing nothing. That is an amazing promise. And Lord, I pray that you empower us with it in Jesus name. How many say amen?